The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us on another Thursday. And boy, oh boy, this is one of those weeks where it's an eclectic mix of topics. The good, the weird, the ugly, and more. And it's just, it's going to be a very interesting program. So let's not waste any more time. The BTL title is on the line. A title held by this man, who I'm about to introduce a few times, but today he enters the virtual arena as the challenger, as the co-host of No Bets Barred. He's Mr. No Gray Area, and let's be honest here, he's had some takes about not only the sport, but this program because of the man who wears the gold. Let us welcome back the returning Jed Mishu from MMAfighting.com. Hey. Hello, Jed. Hey, Mike, I'd like to uh, start by saying this is all under protest. Uh, I don't know what we're talking about today. I was never sent a list of topics to prepare for. So I'm shooting straight from the hip, buddy. It's going to be fun. And there's a reason for that. Uh, I don't think you need to really do a lot of research here. It was, we introduced the reigning defending. Always do your own research, Mike. Always do your own research. Little curveball here. Plus, I'm an idiot and I forgot to send them to you. So, my bad. The man who defeated AK Lee last week on one of the closest matchups in the history of the show. You know him from the MMA Hour, the MMA Fighting Social Media Team, and for having the best theme song in MMA, past, present, and future. The champ is here, Mr. Eric, New York Rick Jackman. Welcome back, Mr. Champion. Hi, guys. Uh, what a lovely day. What a special way to be able to spend time with each other. I'm so excited for this. Um, I don't even need who who needs prep when you're just having fun with your fellas. It's it's going to be a great time. Gee, golly. Yes, and I screwed up everything because I didn't even send them to Casey. So there might not even be any like lower thirds or anything. So look, <laughs> let's just get into it. Uh, we really didn't get into this last week, but we're going to now because it's apparently become a hot topic in and out of the mixed martial arts world. The potential battle of the billionaires, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. Facebook versus, Facebook versus Twitter, money versus money. And these guys apparently want to fight each other. And Dana White says that this would be the biggest fight ever in the history of the world. 
And he might not be wrong. And we'll get to Dana and the UFC's interest in this fight in a moment. But Jed, I, I want to focus on just these two dudes right now, potentially fighting each other. What was your reaction to Musk and Zuck wanting to throw down this getting out into the world, picking up steam, etc.? In other words, are you interested in this fight if it does happen? God, no. Uh, I'm going to keep this to a tidy 60 seconds is all the all the breath I'm going to give to this one. Uh, it's real dumb. I hate it. It's very obvious. This, of course, is the natural devolution of how things are going. Uh, it's really stupid. Don't you pay money for it. The only thing of substance I think about this fight and that I will speak to, what an awful T-shirt from the UFC. I mean, just... Zuckerberg versus Musk like is that is just so descriptive of UFC promotion it's just like we're just gonna put the two names there and and that's good like it's just like every fight at least do Zuck versus Musk like it's just uh, it's morally bankrupt it's promotionally bankrupt and I will not be giving this any more of my time if you throw it back to me talk about something else because this is some dumb shit that I will not dignify with more than what I've given it well I appreciate that uh it it, it will go back to you because we're going to take a little bit of a turn here but Rick this fight are you interested in it like we'll talk about the what, what, what promotional banner could be under in a moment but just these two dudes fighting do you care about it i'm going to say i'm going to give myself an out here you teed it up initially as if this fight is made if this fight is booked are you interested in it and in that case i will say yes like if this is made if there is no alternative if we have already arrived at the conclusion that this will be made sure like i'd rather watch these two than 90% of the crap that's going on at the apex right now. So sure. Why not? Um, it, it's interesting to see two dudes um, of that status lower themselves. Um, so sure. If, if, if we back the question back out, am I interested in it being made? That's a different question. And the answer is no, I have no interest in it being made. Don't care. Um, no, no um, incentive uh for this to be made don't 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 really see the reason um but if i am forced if it is made sure why not like it's no worse than any any of the other crap that we're kind of seeing these days sure so i guess it might be time to cue the up oh, here they go ripping on dana white comments again because look it's never the plan to get dana involved in these types of things he does it himself he inserts himself into these conversations and with this musk versus zuck idea he's been more of the focus on this than anybody else because he can't stop talking about it he's done interviews with pat mcafee with tmz he wants this fight ufc social media has been pushing it but here's where things get interesting and jed i'll go back to you because you're gonna have to say something dana white has been saying for weeks maybe even longer that we don't do gimmick fights in the UFC. Then he's throwing out a John Jones Tyson Fury idea for the baddest man on the planet. Seems kind of gimmicky to me. Then he's throwing out this. That's another gimmick fight. But on top of it, we've been begging for the UFC and Dana to do something that can be perceived as fun. And while this idea to a good amount of people could be fun, and you mentioned the freaking $40 t-shirt on sale, Dana White is all in on this idea, Jed. You don't have to talk about the fight, but let's talk about Dana being all in on this. He wasn't all in on John Jones, Francis Ngannou, but he is all in on this fight. Stop the presses. Dana White's a liar. Whoa. 
I never saw that coming before. Like, yeah, of course he's all in on this. Like, it will make a ton of money. And I actually will argue that it happening inside the confines of the UFC is it, it gives it a patina of um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, merit that would make it more broadly palatable to people. Like, I this is a match made in shitty promotional heaven. And uh, if these two dudes would ever do it, it would probably be the highest selling pay-per-view of all time. It's not going to. And so we don't really need to spend too much time talking about the vanity uh, projects of erstwhile billionaires. To hell with them. (laughs) I don't don't want any part of this. Uh, It doesn't shock me that Dana's doing this. He's going to try his best. If not, maybe he can sell some T-shirts. And it is – terribly unfortunate that you're right mike this would by most definitions at least be something fun and it just sucks that the ufc can only have fun in this really narrow terrible lane that will never happen and even if it were happen would just be objectively terrible your quick your reaction to Dana's reaction to this, the ufc's potential involvement in this i'm sure you're not surprised that dana jumped on this but they're making that like I think he's gonna make a real push at this, and I don't know as as he should. Like uh, e- even though there's there's a propensity for people to point out how Dana White speaks out of both sides of his mouth, which is accurate and true. Often the reason he is spoke speaking out of both sides of his mouth is to chase financial gain and profits and business for the company. One one way. It was more beneficial to him. Then the tide changed, and now he's chasing the the opportunity in another direction. This is obviously something that would make a huge amount of money. No shocker that Dana White is leaning all in, uh, is is going all in and leaning into it. Uh, this is this is promoter one hundred and one. And if if he was not, he would not be doing his job as a promoter. Quite frankly, like this is what he should be doing now if you ask if it's a dereliction of duty to not be promoting other things in lieu of this there's probably a case or an argument to be made but i i do think there's enough space at the table for all these things um and this is something he's excited about because it will potentially make a lot of money as he should be and as he should be seeking for his stakeholders so uh zero shock for me this this is something that until the moment one of them uh backs down and says haha joking guys i was never going to do this uh you pursue this until the wheels fall off so new york rick you feel like this fight's not going to happen jed you feel like this fight's not going to happen right god no no it, it will not happen <laughs> two two people who are notoriously uh private in their private lives like obviously they are public figures but you don't really know much about them right you, you don't really know much their home lives you don't really know anything about them that's that smells to me like somebody who is not willing to go out there and be embarrassed easily and this will be embarrassing for one the other or both and i don't potentially see them stripping down to their underwear and deciding that this is the the best way to kind of get attention i think they can get it other ways um but yeah they they feel a little bit guarded <laughs> to me um so i don't i don't expect that that they will be doing this that's the fucking nicest answer i've ever heard for this shit it's not gonna happen because they're private and guarded it's gonna happen because elon musk in a bag of milk who would get dunked to the center of the fucking earth like i zuck trains zuck like 
Zuck is a shitty person who's responsible for many bad things in this world. But if this, if this ever happened, he's going to wail on Elon Musk. Musk didn't want those problems. Musk bought a social media platform just so people who like him will tell him how much they like him. He does not want the the devastating outcome of getting marked by the fucking Facebook kid on the biggest pay-per-view of all time. That's why this is never going to happen. Zuck would probably do it because he'll win. So you're saying, Jed, that this would, like, when Dana says this would be the biggest fight ever in the yeah, history of the it world. Wouldn't be close. It would, wouldn't be close. It would be? Wouldn't be close. It would be the biggest Over, fight Over, bigger than Mayweather Pacquiao? Yes, it's selling more than 5 million pay-per-views. You agree with that too, New York Kirk? Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, we ultimately arrived at the same conclusion. The fear of embarrassment is why they will, this will not happen. By the way, I think Zuckerberg is probably afraid as well. Um, oh, dude, I don't think so. Because if you don't look great, that's probably not great either. Like if, but what, if, if, what does he give a shit though? Zucker, like what do you Musk mean? is the one, Musk is the one who's like constantly in the public eye for doing douchey shit. Like he, he That's can't my point. take the ego blast. Zuck doesn't care. Like who will care? Mm. Like, will anyone dunk I, I on Zuck? Will he give a shit? Also, I, I, think I really want to get, I doubt it. Also, he's going to win. Uh, I want to <laughs> just stress the most important part of the previous question though, Mike, this would sell the most pay-per-views because if for no other reason, then neither man's ego would allow it to not sell the most pay-per-views and they have plenty of money to make that happen. I will spend $50 million to buy <laughs> as many pay-per-views as need be so I can run around. It's, you know, it's the stolen valor of Jake Paul just taken to the nth degree. Like, oh, look, I'm a real fighter. People like me. I beat somebody up. It's all just dumb shit. Can we please move on to Ilya Tapuria? Who is dope? I wish we could move on to Ilya Taporia, but we are not. We will move. We will get there. We're just not going to get there next. We have to. We have to go down the rabbit hole of of bad things a little more before we get to the good things in Ilya Taporia. But let us move on, and hopefully, this is the last time we have to talk about this forever and ever and ever. But everyone keeps asking about it for some reason, and figured let's give the people. This some for of you, sure passed the mom test. <laughs> Yeah, it did. It definitely passed the Bob test. I got a lot of messages about this one. (laughs) Let's pass this topic altogether. The point for round one goes to. Give it to New York, Rick. He he tried to be as as nice as possible about it. And I I think Jed would never come back on the show if he got the point. Take that tainted point, Ricky. You take that tainted point. I will. (laughs) He sure will. That's why he's the champ. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, that was uh, the weird. Let's get to the ugly because things have gotten ugly in the world of the Professional Fighters League just when things were heading in the right direction this past Friday night happens. Longtime friends and teammates, Natan Schult, Haush Monfio, booked for a regular season fight in the ATL PFL 6. And what we got was not a fight it was a glorified sparring session one of the worst fights in the history of the sport with schultz winning a unanimous decision and thus at least by friday night earned a playoff spot to boot now this is very strange the fighters weren't into it the fans obviously weren't into it nobody at all was into it then on even the corners weren't into it then on saturday morning we get word that both natan schultz and house manfio suspended for violating PFL in-fight fighter code for not giving it their all, all the accumulated points for the regular season that both had acquired, taken away, which means Natan Schultz is out of the playoffs, and now the biggest off-season signing for the PFL heading into this season, Shane Burgos, who got a decision win in his fight, he gets into the playoffs as the four seed. Natan Schultz would have been the third Ergo's in, he will fight Clay Collard in the semifinals. Now, New York, Rick, there is still a million questions in play here that we do not have answers to. And this is not a story that should go away because these questions, frankly, need to be asked and need, they need to be answered. And there's a lot of blame to go around here. The promotion for the decision-making and the matchmaking, the fighters for performing the way that they performed, this just feels icky and like a bad look all across the board so your thoughts on this, and most notably, who gets to lion's share of the blame here, the PFL or the fighters, or is it 50-50? Everybody's to blame. There are no, there are no clean hands in this scenario. Um, I don't, you know, I've thought about this a lot. Um, there's, there's been a lot of discussion about it. Ultimately, I fall on the side of I don't have an issue with PFL trying to police this. I don't have an issue with them taking the step that they took. I have an issue with the communication that happened throughout the process. My issue stems from, A, if they booked this fight not having some kind of – now, some of this may have happened. Some of this may be unknown, but it has not been publicly said yet. But not having a conversation with the two competitors and reiterating that they expect them to have a competitive fight and not to put on the performance that they did. After the fact, not communicating with them on what their plans were now, it appears, I believe Ariel spoke to somebody at the PFL who said that this communication happened before Burgos's fight. Um, I would have liked to see something, uh, a conversation obviously happened before the fight took place. Um, and then additionally, I would have liked to see some kind of actual 
investigation review something to the something to give some legitimacy to the idea of why we're making this decision as opposed to just kind of unilaterally um executing it and placing shane burgos in the playoffs it also makes shane burgos look bad who's an innocent bystander in this scenario doesn't really have anything to do with this um but is a beneficiary obviously um so yeah i I think it was mishandled obviously by the promotion i think it was uh obviously mishandled by the fighters if that's the performance that you're going to put on just say I'm opting out and, and not going to take this fight and do something different. Um, everybody is to blame. Uh, but ultimately I do not feel that this, the, the, the fight that they put on is worthy of a playoff spot. And I understand why the PFL will want to nip this in the bud. Um, but they handled it very poorly in my opinion. Jed, who is to blame more the fighters, the PFL, because, Look, there's communication and stuff like this. I get it. Like, if these two are matched up in the finale to fight for a million dollars, I don't think the fight goes exactly the same way. I think it's a little more hard fought. I think both guys would get it. But why are these guys fighting in the first place? Like, it's a regular season matchup. We have no idea how the matchmaking works. They have said from day one, this is not a tournament. It's only a tournament when you get into the playoffs. This is a season, baby. This is sports. This is not a tournament. So when you when we were talking to the race FOs and the people above, when this whole thing started with the PFL, anytime you said tournament, they were quick to correct you. This is not a tournament. This is a season format. This is just, yeah. What, what was your reaction to this? Where do you place the blame? I got a hot take, Mike. Uh, I'm freely here to tell you is a really bad look i blame the fighters and not the pfl in this one uh and and let me explain why like yes you could make the argument why make the matchup and you can make the argument that this is just sort of getting to an outcome they wanted versus like what you know this is sort of going against the things that they have have so staunchly said of this is a season and this is how it works and sometimes you know our previous champions don't make it because of x y or z but we hold to it all of the optics here are pretty bad but at the end of the day i feel like a lot of the conversation around this has focused on optics uh versus like the meat and potatoes which is these two dudes didn't fight each other <laughs> Like they, they just didn't, and they knew that that's a risk. If you are that good of friends, you know, one's a godfather, the other's kid. If you are that tight, don't enter into a competitive event where you may have to face off with one another if you're not willing to go the whole way. Like that's part and parcel of it. You say if this was for a million dollars, they would have fought more. Well, it was for a million dollars. It was for a spot in the tournament to win a million dollars this is how they chose to go about it and i could have i was would have been a little bit more you know pro fighter in this instance probably if everyone had just shut the hell up and been like hey this is garbage but instead you get brian butler coming out here and being like bad fights happen all the time styles make fights don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining brian butler this didn't happen because a stylistic matchup we all know why it happened own it in the same way you are asking pfl to own what they have done here and and i could at least swallow it better like at the end of the day you know what you're signing up for and you going in there and having a glorified sparring match somebody in your camp somewhere should have said hey man look there's a real possibility that if we go in there and half-ass this they are not going to take kindly to it 
And you know what? Maybe the answer won't be they'll kick us out of this year's tournament. Maybe they will just be pissed at us and then not re-sign us for next year or whatever. Like you ultimately, you know that this is this is part of the game. And if you are going to be entered into a competition against a friend, you got to be willing to go the whole way. And it says nothing outside of the fact that there's really I've never been of the opinion that you shouldn't fight your teammates. I think that that's historically been pretty dumb but whatever like you you signed up saying that you knew if push came to shove this would happen and it happened and then you didn't fight it and now you're reaping what you sowed like play dumb games win dumb prizes my guy it's just how this goes and that's part of this too is we don't know like anything that happened building up to this fight like maybe both guys are like no we don't want to fight each other and pfl's like well you're gonna do it damn it like we have no idea but still, I, I it's not that I just blame the PFL. I the blame goes to the fighters for sure. And there should be an investigation here, Rick. I completely agree. So you you mentioned, Rick, that you don't have like something should have been done here, but you just didn't like the way that they went about it. So Yeah. What would you there, have there done? Was no- what, what, yeah, what would you have done differently? There was no transparency to Jed's point. Like if if they've both signed on the dotted line and are aware that they're entering into a fight they're entering into a fight that 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 is their agreement that is what they've promised to do so i understand why the pfl would say you guys told us you're going to do this and you did it but i do think it's it's incumbent upon the pfl um to have that conversation again to reiterate it to say look we know look we're matching honestly i imagine this was the line of thinking i'm not speaking for them but this is what i would assume hey it would be a worst case scenario if you guys met in the championship and did this so we're going to match it up in the regular season. One of you is probably going to advance. One of you probably is going to fall off just based on the points. Have the fight and and don't put yourself in that in that horrible position where you're you're closer to the million and stealing it from somebody. So or taking it away from somebody. Um, we're going to make this fight. Hopefully um, you guys are able to rise to the challenge. If they at that point say we cannot, we will not. Uh, that's an option and we'll have to figure out a rebooking. Um, but it all comes down to communication. It all comes down to transparency. Once we've passed that point now, once they're in the cage, it's a too late and B what the fighters ended up doing because of this position. And because nobody kind of seemingly talked this through is put themselves in a very dicey situation where the lines between a fixed fight and a sparring session, um, are murky where the idea that maybe the outcome of this was rehearsed and it wasn't just the idea that we're going to have a light sparring session. That's where the investigation I, th- I would, I would hope um, would take place and something to that effect would happen. Um, but yeah, you put yourself in a really bad spot putting on that performance that they did and it doesn't look good for the fighters. It doesn't look good for the promotion. And I think it all could have been avoided with very simple communications. I think the, the idea of just handing this fight to them and hoping for the best is probably not ideal. Uh, but the responsibility does not fall solely on PFL to Jed's point, And I agree with it. Once they've signed those contracts and agreed to step in the cage and perform, that's, that's, that's something serious and they needed to take it a little more seriously. Jay, would you, you have done it. anything differently here? No, and that's I mean, I would have done some other things differently because like like I said, this is just bad optics from the PFL. Like I actually don't think the end result here is incorrect. I am not privy to PFL contracts, but per their statement, you know, if if part of the contract is fighters, you know, use their agree to use their best efforts and skills, like we can never prove that that they didn't like right you know like we can't say they weren't trying 
but we all know what like everybody is aware we don't have to live in this world of like well maybe they were really like this isn't for for going to jail this isn't prison like the preponderance of the evidence is enough here we all know what happened <laughs> and so like if that is actually in the contractual language then then PFL has in fact done nothing wrong in this way. The optics are just horrible. I think uh, Rick brings up an interesting point about like the blurring the line between a fixed fight and sort of what message that can send moving forward. I think ultimately the big failing, the the large failing is that the PFL signed two dudes and put them into a competition that didn't want to fight each other. And maybe they thought at the time that, you know, it, it would it would work out okay, but I think the way moving forward here is just teammates, friends don't get to be in the same. I don't care which of you two get it, y'all can settle that how you want to. But we're never running afoul of this again. Uh, we just can't have teammates end up in the same season because if this runs up again, we look like the bad guys. Even when realistically, we probably aren't doing anything that wrong here. Now, New York Rick mentioned something that even like Shane Burgos looks bad with with this. Um, sh I don't think Shane should get any blame. He had no idea this was happening. While the other, I know Ariel reported that Schultz and Monfio were well aware of what happened before Burgos fought. Burgos had no clue that this happened until he landed home in Newark. Because I had reached out to him, obviously, while I was waiting to get into the UFC Jacksonville event. And... I didn't get a response from him and he was like, yeah, I just landed and my phone was blowing up. So that's when he found out that he was in the playoffs. So it's just a weird look. And Jed, I want to go back to you because the PFL looks, they, whether you agree with them or not, most of the community, there are some people who agree with you that feel like they did nothing wrong, but the vast majority of people feel like they screwed the pooch there. And either way, what right or wrong, indifferent, whatever they look kind of bad. Like this whole situation makes the promotion look bad. So is this something that they'll quickly recover from that come playoff time? Like no one's going to be really talking about this anymore because of this fast moving cycle, or is this going to take uh, a little while for them to, I guess, wash the proverbial egg off their face? They'll recover quickly because like, here's the truth of the season format. Uh, I like that. It's different. It's incredibly stupid. <laughs> And something dumb, something dumb regarding it happens almost every season where a guy who knocked out another guy doesn't make it in, the other guy makes it in, or a former champion doesn't get to get in because he only fought once this season, even though it was a dominant thing. Like they just have because their season is two fucking fights, it's it is incredibly mercurial and dumb as shit. And we just sweep it under the rug and move on next year because it sort of is what it is same thing's gonna happen here like i'm not here I, I mean i'm i'm here to tell you that in fact the bfl took the right course of action but if they didn't well if if shane burgos didn't get snuck in here instead we'd be like well shane burgos uh lost to olivier alba mercier the reigning champion whereas you know natan schultz beat stevie ray who just retired Hired and then like won a tepid decision over his buddy who wasn't trying hard seems like shane burgos actually is more deserving but this stupid rules like the matchmaking and the season structure of being two fights is insane and idiotic so oh, i think we're gonna forget about this very quickly because something absolutely ridiculous happens every year because of the structure of pfl 
Do you agree with that, New York, Rick, that by, you know, the the playoffs in August that we're not going to be really talking about this anymore? As fans, ultimately, probably not. I don't I don't think there's too much fan support for Natan Schultz that it's going to be overwhelming that the PFL is going to have to kowtow or, or do anything um, on that case. But I do think there will be lasting effects of this. I do think the PFL will treat their season differently. And by the way, like, uh, you know, I'm kind of going backwards a little bit, but like, look at the UFC's bantamweight division with Marab Davalashvili and uh, Aldemain Sterling. To the UFC's best efforts, they have tried many times to make that fight, and the competitors have said no. It, it's quite simple, you know, in, in actual practice and execution. If, if you're not willing to fight, there's easy ways to kind of deny that. And I guess you could argue like, oh, it's a million dollars on the line. I imagine a UFC title is worth quite a bit of money. So Marab Tabalashvili is showing, you know, what what can be handled in this situation. Uh, to get back to the, the question for this round. Uh, no, I, I don't imagine this is something that's going to linger um, too long. Ultimately, I think there's enough people on the side um, uh, uh, of Jed that feel like the PFL kind of just handled it correctly and are willing to move on. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't see a, a groundswell of support for Natan Schultz all of a sudden pushing um, him back into the picture. But at the same time, I would still like to see some kind of investigation. I would still like to understand this situation better um, so that moving forward, it can be avoided. And I think that onus isn't necessarily on the PFL and more on the commission, who seems to not want to get involved with it. They released a statement just essentially saying um, no, nothing, no, nothing will be done about the result of that fight, which is interesting. Um because as I said, I think the, the murkying the waters of, of betting and things like that um, raises some questions for me. Um, but unless that happens, yeah, we'll, we'll move on pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I would just love to hear. I know we've gotten statements from manager. You mentioned Brian Butler. I think just one of the fighters released something on social media, Natan Schultz asking for to be like, something. yeah, fighters rights, all that stuff. And that's not really going to go anywhere, but I would love to actually hear from everybody involved. I'd love to hear from both fighters, like whether they go on aerial show or talk to one of us and then just hear from PFL brass. Like how did this all happen? What led to it? Like, I just need to know more. I just have questions. And as soon as I have those answers, at least in some way, that I'm like, not that I'm cool, but at least I feel better about it. But right now I just, there's just so much unknown with this that it still leaves kind of an icky taste in my mouth, but we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get a little more transparency. Maybe we'll learn more about it, but let's move on to what Jed wants to talk about the most. Ilya Taporia. The point for round two goes to. Goes to Jed Mishu. Nicely done, Jed. Thank you. So let's turn to a brighter note. Let's go back to, to Zuck and Musk for a minute, if we could. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, how about Ilya Taporia, Jed Mishu? Because this dude just goes into UFC Jacksonville looking like a star, acting like a star. He looked like a star in the fight. He looked like an even bigger star coming out of his big win over Josh Emmett. Jed, the UFC seems to really have something here. Your reaction to Taporia's performance. And on top of that, his star potential coming out of this card. You know, the first thing I thought as I watched him just wail on Josh Emmett for 25 <laughs> minutes. Do you guys remember when we, when there was like a, we should do Patty Pimblett versus Ilya Tapuria. Ilya would kill that man. And everyone in the media was like, Ilya would kill this dude. You don't want to do it. <laughs> and man, 
we don't get them all right, but buddy, sometimes we friggin' nail it. Ilya Tapari is the truth. This man is a future champion. Uh, I would say I'm picking. I would pick him to be the guy who takes the belt from Volk. The only problem is I think Yair's going to do it next weekend. Uh, but Yair won't have it long because Ilya. Ilya's here, man. He has arrived. He showed outside of just looking like a million dollars. He he showed developments in his game. He's still so young. And then the star power. That's it, man. He carries himself like he is the next big thing. And I mean, shit, he might be. We if if they go to Spain, he is gonna blow the doors off that arena. Uh it he's everything you want in a young guy coming up everything in the world he's so he was so damn impressive mike that he got alexander volkanovsky who has been on a two-year crusade to make me hate the shit out of him to be like you know what uh hand up i can't even pretend like i i need to be you know making my moves to get back at, at islam I, I gotta fight that dude next i'm gonna I'm I'm handle up against yair and then we'll go to tapuri and then we can talk he got volk to give up on the lightweight thing at least for now that's how damn good he looked on saturday unbelievable eric your reaction to Ilya's performance and what he could be for this company is in terms of being a star Ilya's fantastic think he could be uh, a tremendous star but i mean are we not going to pretend that this round just got derailed when he predicted yair rodriguez would beat alexander volkanovsky like i can't i don't know how much more i can even talk about Ilya when that Look, is just dropped in the middle of the of Rick, the round. we don't have to talk about it now next week when i'm defending my title you can come mm. back on and you can get the wood about how Yair's gonna <laughs> kick alex's head right off them shoulders I'm I'm interested in that. I'm I'm interested in the potential for that to play out. As far as Ilya Taporia, um, super impressive performance. Somebody that I've kind of been keeping an eye on as like I don't love. To, I, there's there's certain fighters that I like. There's certain fighters that I like to watch. Like an, as an example, right? Like an Adrian Yanez is a guy I love to watch, but he's not somebody who I automatically pegged like that guy is a potential future champion. There's like a few recently, Hamza Chamayev for sure, and Ilya Taporia were kind of the two guys that I was like, I, I can't see a world where they're not holding a belt at some point. Um, and this just kind of cemented that, right? Like this was obviously a step up in competition, a step up in the rankings, and he passed with flying colors, um, showing patience, showing off his complete game, and just absolutely battering a guy in Josh Emmett who earned Yair Rodriguez the title shot. So it'd be hard to kind of make an argument that like there's not a path to featherweight um, title contention for Ilya already at this point. Admittedly, though, I don't know if that's, you know, the, the next step I would want to see right away. I'd, I'd want to see the Max Holloway fight just because I want to see the Max Holloway fight. I don't necessarily um, think that he, he needs to be in a title fight next, but I also don't think if that's the option that he should be denied. Um, he's made his case. He looks like he's absolutely ready. Uh, and Volk versus Ilya would be a great fight as well. So, uh, Rick, if, if the UFC came, let's just say Jed is wrong and Volkanovsky wins and the UFC calls you on the phone and says, look, you have to decide, are we going to do Ilya versus Max now? Do you want to see one more out of Ilya or are we doing Ilya versus Volkanovsky like right now? What do you pick? Because I know you're an enthusiast of the the best dudes fighting each other. And Taporia wants that shot. He said he would fight Holloway only if it happens in Spain. But if we're up to you, 
if both options are in play and you can go one road or the other, which road are you taking? I'm first going to straddle the fence and kind of take the easy way out and say that I think Alexander Volkanovsky has earned the right to choose at this point, right? If Alexander Volkanovsky beats Yaya Rodriguez, I think it's up to him if he wants to fight somebody like Ilya or if he wants to chase Islam for the uh, 155-pound title again. I would put the decision on him um, before I would give the uh, option to to the contender. Um, if, let's assume that uh, uh. Alexander Volkanovsky Alexander Volkanovsky is game and willing to take on Ilya Taporia. I'd be fine with it. The fight I would prefer to see is Max Holloway versus Ilya Taporia. Um, I just You're think a that fucking lunatic. I, I love that fight. I love that fight. Dude, just I get, want just to see give it. Max a fucking featherweight belt in. He's the dude defending against the contenders. If you're just going to have every contender go through him, That's make fine. him the champ and Volk can go to lightweight. That's a fine I'm solution. Fine with that. But if we have a fucking featherweight champion, make him defend his title against contenders, not just Max every other time. The hell is wrong with you? This this There's goes to no my There's no reason for Tapuria to fight Max now. He can fight him after he wins the belt and it's different. If he Here's fights him reason. now, just give Max the belt. Just give Here's him my the reason. Belt. I don't believe that everything in this sport should be because the champion is lacking contenders. Max Holloway versus Ilya Tapuria is a fun fight and quite frankly, like as long as Max is going to be in the division, I want to see him have fun fights. I'm not interested in seeing him fight Korean Zombie. That's not a real fight. I don't I'm, I'm care with about you that. on that. There are fucking thousand fun fights for Max that you can have. Great, this isn't a, well, there's no other fight available. It's like, no, Tapuria has done enough. Tapuria deserves a title fight. He's the next no, dude in I'm line. Not, I'm not arguing Give against it. To it. Him. No, I'm. Uh, this see, this you, is insane. You're mis you're misrepresenting the argument. My argument isn't Ilya Taporia doesn't deserve a title fight or needs to beat Max Holloway to get a title fight. If they give him a title fight, great, no problem with it. I think that's fantastic. The fight I would prefer to see is Max Holloway versus Ilya Taporia, and it and it has right. nothing to do with the idea of because it's I, that's the fight I want to see. Why why does everything in the sport have to be so? Should Robert Whitaker also not fight anybody? Like there's 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 a there's a, a situation happening where Robert Whitaker and Max Holloway are not allowed to fight anybody because God forbid they They're knock off a contender. People, they, God forbid they knock off a contender. They're not allowed to fight anybody at their level. How about that? Because God forbid they knock off somebody that was on their path to the title shot. Great, that's fantastic. If they beat them. Even more, then they have even more momentum heading into the title fight. I don't think that Max Holloway should be precluded from fighting top featherweights uh, just because we're in desperate need of somebody for Alexander Volkanovsky. Would I have a, would I have a, any gripe about Ilya Taporia fighting for the title? None, none whatsoever. Could do it tomorrow, and I'd be happy if if knocking on wood that this doesn't happen. Yair was all of a sudden out of the picture for for next week, and they filled in with Ilya Taporia. Would I have a problem with it? Nope. Get, go get it but i also don't have a problem with the idea of the top guys in the division fighting the top guys and not immediately being shoved into the title shot just because of the lack of contenders it's fine I, i'm fine i'm completely fine with them fighting it out we we need not point any further than yair rodriguez himself who three fights ago lost to max holloway then won a, a weird but but deserved uh fight against brian ortega with the injury and then beat Josh Emmett and was right back into a title shot. So losing to Max Holloway is not some deterrent where you can never be back to the path to gold. 
I want to see Ilya Taporia versus Max Holloway, and I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> this is the most insane take I've ever heard. Like, this is the most insane take that's been uttered on this fucking show. Like, do you know why there's a dearth of contenders? Because you keep running interesting people into the uncrowned champion, the guy who is actually defending the top of the featherweight rankings. It's just so let like, him do it again. One more time, they give baby. him the belt. Give, I'm fine with giving him the belt, but if he's going to be beating all of the other dudes, this is just like sweet. Okay, so Nog beats all the heavyweights, Fatal. Like, no, just let the champion defend against viable contenders. But you're also assuming fight anybody else who's dope. Let Max fight the winner or loser of the BMF title. (sighs) I'm like, that's sick. Max can do any number of things. Like, we don't need to do the Max versus Ilya thing. It's an assumption that he would lose, by the way. You're assuming that Ilya loses. You're assuming that Max is able to win the fight. I'm assuming that Ilya Yeah, you are. You're assuming that he gets knocked off as a contender. You're assuming. It creates creates the opportunity for no benefit. If he beats Max, I don't think that does any more. There's There's no more juice. There's, they're not going to Spain. They can't even go to fucking Mexico when they have three <laughs> champions. You think they're going to Spain? That's nonsense. Uh, they spent eight years doing UFC Africa that still hadn't happened. They're not going to Spain. So this it's coming, is just, baby. This, this is us just trying to spin our wheels because a portion of us really want Volk to fight Islam. And if that's fine, that's like that's okay. Make him yeah. do it at lightweight and let Max be the fucking featherweight champion. This is the most no-brainer of a featherweight title shot. The only world in which I accept a Max Holloway fight, Philia Tapuria, is when Yair beats Volk and they run it back because Volk will get an immediate rematch. And then, then Ilya says... I don't really want to stay on the sidelines for that long. I know that I'm I'm up next. I got dibs, but I will now fight Max Holloway because I got I, I want to great. Anything else is a travesty and should not be. Sound, sounds like we've arrived at, at at a good outcome. That sounds good. I'm down for that. Perfect. But Ilya's not gonna do that. He's not gonna do that. He's fine. He even said it himself. Like I'm cool. I'll wait forever. I'll wait for the rest of my life for a title shot if I have to. That's that dude smart. Is, That's what you should do. The dude is living his life. He's got the girl. He's got the cars. He's got the sponsorships coming in. He's got more. He's going to have way more money coming in. Yeah, she's on the MMA hour cutting cutting the coldest promos of the year. I mean, she's incredible, his girlfriend. He's unbelievable. Um, New York Rick, which fight do you want to see more? Ilya Taporia, Max Holloway, or Israel Adesanya, Bo Nickel? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Much more Max Holloway and uh, Ilya Taporia, for sure. All right, I had to throw that in. I there. mean, that's probably the right answer, but I am morbidly <laughs> curious. I'm taking both if you give me that oh, no. option. I'll take both. Great. I'm morbidly <laughs> curious about Bo Nickel. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's run them both. Oh my gosh. Can uh, we just Ilias have Boria. Max fight lightweights? Max just has so many fun lightweight fights. Like, what are we he even doesn't doing? Want to go. He doesn't want to go. Somebody just sit that man down and tell him that this is dumb and a waste of our time. We're never giving you another title fight. You can drop back down it when Yair wins and you can run that back. But otherwise, just just have fun. Like, I want to watch Max Holloway fight Tony Ferguson because I've wanted it for years, even though he's going to work Tony. Really want to see him fight Justin Gaethje. Like, that's just ev- my everything. Like, there's yep. so many more fun fights at 155 for Max. Be fight Korean zombie, be done with featherweight, and move on up. Let's have fun. Holloway Oliveira, too. Want to see <laughs> that fight actually Sign it play up. out? 
I think Holloway dusts Chucky Olives in a rematch. Ooh. All right. Well, all right. See, yeah, there's, we, we, there's fun fights, but as long as he's a featherweight, Ilya Taporia sounds like a good option. Ilya Taporia, Max Holloway. Let's do it. This is an insane take. I cannot believe you argued that. <laughs> I'm so excited that I just let that go. Uh, real quick, I want to talk about Macy Barber's big win, Jed, because she came into the UFC. She got a big push, talked a big game, suffered some losses. Bounce back with a couple of questionable splitty wins. And then she goes in there on Saturday against Amanda Hebas. And most people just felt like this was going to be another split decision fight. Maybe she wins it. Maybe she loses it. But this was not that. This fight was incredible. They beat the hell out of each other. And Barber just battered Amanda Hebas and ended up putting her away in the second round. This was quite the performance. Jed, did, did Macy Barber change the way... You view her future, no pun intended, in this flyweight division. She sure did. Um, I mean, I've been pretty down on Macy Barber just because for certain, just her early experience in the UFC was really bad, right? Like she came in talking all this greasiness, couldn't really back it up. And then when she suffered adversity, handled it about as poorly as you possibly can. Uh, and she just looked to be one of those cautionary tales of this is somebody who's buying their hype. This is not somebody who is going to put in the work and develop. You know, they have a baseline set of skills. They have some potential here, but they just don't have it between the years and in the ways that matter for long-term development. And slowly but surely, she's taking up. Like, she's improving. There's never been a doubt that Macy, Macy Barber has talent. There's never been a doubt that she is rugged. Like, she is willing to get in there and chuck them. Like she does, she does not have that sort of back down in her. The questions for me have always been developmentally. Like, are you going to advance in your career if the first time you take a loss, you blame it on a knee injury and all sorts of other things? And it's, it's not your fault. It's anyone else's fault but yours. I can't say for sure whether she, you know, has overcome all of that. But I can say she's on a good run right now. That performance against Hebos, yes, she is much bigger than Hebos, kind of functionally in there. The physicality certainly showed, but she is improving. She keeps getting better. Her work with Team Alpha Male seems to be paying dividends. So, uh, and she's still super young. You know, she's twenty five. Like that's that's younger than Ilya Tapuria, and this is a division that's not nearly as as hard to make headway in as you know men's featherweight. So. She still has a lot of potential. If she can keep improving, if she can kind of set the ego at the door and just do the things to continue getting better, I don't think she'll ever be a champion probably. Uh, but I mean that's even bold to say given how young she is and kind of where she's already at in her career. Rick, what, what did you think of Barbara's performance and did it sort of sway the way you viewed her heading into the fight in, in terms of her future and what she could do at 125 here? No, it didn't change anything for me, but I was impressed by the performance. But I've, you know, like, let's just look at the reality of the situation. And Jed kind of like alluded to it and touched on it. She's extremely young, which means she has a lot of opportunity to grow. But she also has a lot of opportunity to potentially climb the mountain in a shallow division. She can get to the top with not a lot of fights. Um, so she's gonna, not going to have to develop that much, to be completely honest. She's um, a really tough fighter. She's a good athlete, um, and she's continuing to add to her skills. So with those two things on her side, the the division as it currently stands on the youth, she's going to get a few cracks probably. She's just going to continue to to make that climb even if she suffers a setback. It is, it is nearly instantaneous how quickly it can be turned around. Um, 
and that didn't change for me. Like, it, you know, now let's see her against the the true cream of the crop, the upper upper echelon of the division. Um, but yeah, she's she's going to be in this game for for quite a bit. So um, not concerned about her future prospects. Uh, I think she'll be hanging around for a while. That was a great great performance. She got it done and. We'll see what's next for her. I suggested Lauren Murphy on on to the next one. Another rugged versus rugged fight. I'm into that. So let us move on to this weekend, which I know Jed is so excited to talk about. The point for round three goes to... Barn burner, baby. While I respect New York Rick sticking to his principles, I got to give it to Jed. It's two to one. Thank goodness, because I don't have any juice for this next category. Which is what I figured. I figured if there's positivity to be had, it's not coming from the right <laughs> side of your screen right now. UFC Vegas 76. How do we follow up? UFC Jacksonville. How do we follow up getting in front of a live audience, a big crowd? We go back to the apex. And in the main event, boy, is it middleweighty. Sean Strickland versus Abus Magomedov. Five rounds in the UFC's 185-pound division. Near quick, let's start with you, buddy. You're you're the positive presence here. This is the go home show for International Fight Week. This is the last card before UFC 290, their Super Bowl week, where it's capped off with their big card that they're going to push the hell out of. The media is going to be all over the place. They're going to be everywhere. Grade this card on paper. UFC Vegas 76, New York Rick. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. We'll go with. It's watchable. It's watchable. Look, there's no doubt the main event lacks juice. Let's let's just call that what it is. It, it is it is not a particularly compelling main event. But throughout the card, there's enough kind of names and storylines that like I'm not super mad at it. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how Kevin Lee looks in his return. Right, like even on another like he used to be a UFC headliner on on other cards that could be potentially interesting. There's some fighters on here that that uh i'm i'm interested to watch i'm gonna dawson and ismagulov that's a great fight like i'm i'm okay with it i'm i'm six out of ten i'm not gonna pan it but i'm also not like doing backflips to watch it but six out of ten jed i'm sure you're probably going higher than a six here right no no (laughs) god no um six actually might be i'm looking at it right now six might be right i might go a little closer to five we're in the five to six range there's the the co-main event doing a lot of heavy lifting i love the ismagulov dawson fight i've been super high on grant dawson um ismagulov is very good i have serious questions about whether he's going to try to be good since he retired previous to this and then was like well i have one more i guess i'll fight it uh so that doesn't strike me as the best way to enter a fist fight but what do i know um there's like just enough pieces i have a morbid curiosity to see what kevin lee looks like though i suspect it's very poor given what we've seen from him lately um i mean women's featherweight alive and kicking yana santos carol hosa we thought the featherweight division was gone mike heck with the man and who's retired and lo and behold we still got him going still got the scrapping happening uh and then there is 
the smallest piece of me. If you if you think of a pie chart, I'm gonna steal a joke, and you take the the donated to charity piece. If the pie chart is what people would do if they found a million dollars, you take that size of a piece. That's how much interest I have in Alexander Romanov and seeing if <laughs> may, maybe just maybe King Kong still has something because he's looked really bad his last two times out. But there was a time. When, when I was excited about it, it was like, oh, a youngish heavyweight who can grapple. Uh, now Jailton Almeida has says taken all of that momentum, but maybe just maybe Romanov can find it again. So five, six, five and a half maybe feels about right. It's only 12 fights too. That helps. I like that. I like that. It's a 4 p.m. start time for the prelims and the 7 p.m. main card. Love that. Uh, Kevin Lee is a very is probably the most interesting thing on this card to me. Most intriguing thing because I just want to see how he looks against a a pretty good fighter, but I'm not sure how good he is. So is this the right test to come back to? Very intrigued by that. And by the way, to your featherweight points, I was listening to a little bit of No Bets Bard this morning. The only reason this is a featherweight fight is because Carol Hose is stepping in on short notice for Macy Chieson. Otherwise, this would be Bantamweight heaven, and we wouldn't even be having this discussion right now. Hey, look, this the is the, Ke- the Kelleher wave. We have one more featherweight fight, women's featherweight fight on the book. So it's still alive. Us true believers, the stands out here, uh, we're keeping it alive, keeping that energy up. So I, so I have to ask this because I feel like the next few weeks are going to be pointing in this direction. Like every fight card that happens, we're going to veer back to this. And Bo Nickel has suddenly emerged and we're not going to go down that rabbit hole again. My mentions have just taken an ass whooping over the last week and a half. So we're good there. But near quick, I want to go to you. The stakes in this fight between Sean Strickland and Abus Magomedov. Like it's a random fight. Sean Strickland was asked about it. He was like, look, the money was right. I need somebody to fight. So like, I'm not going to say no. So don't blame me for this. But what happens if Sean Strickland wins this fight? Is he, is he in the driver's seat for Izzy? Like he has to be right. Like we have to obviously wait to see what happens July 8th because if DDP and Robert Whitaker beat six shades of crap out of each other and neither is going to be, you know, better for where to turn around to fight in Sydney two months later, could the UFC is Sean like in the driver's seat? It may not be for long, but is he is he in the driver's seat if he wins? And what happens if Abus wins? Like, what's the fallout of that? Yeah, if Abus wins, I don't think there's anything. There is any fallout from that. I don't. I don't think anything moves. If uh, Sean Strickland wins, is he in the driver's seat? I guess technically by default. I'd almost call it like I guess that's the Sean Strickland position. Like the default is to hang around the top. Um, and be able to hop into any opportunity that comes available, but never be the guy that they really want to push the in- the entire uh, chips into the middle with. Um, but sure, yeah, he'll be hanging around. He's definitely not with everything booked in the driver's seat. Like Robert Whitaker or DDP are getting the next shot if they come out relatively unscathed that they can make that turnaround. I assume that they will do everything in their power, even if they are a little dinged up because Robert Whitaker is looking at, maybe I won't get this opportunity again. It seems like almost circumstance where they need Israel out of Sonya to headline a card and they need an opponent for him. Um, I would imagine if I'm Robert Whitaker, I don't care what the prep looks like. I'm going to try and shove myself in there. Um, and for DDP, that's, that's a custom made, um, rivalry that thing's been brewing for a long time and it seems like all roads are are pointing to it but in the case that they're both kind of out of commission in a way that they really can't can't turn around i guess you could do worse than sean strickland in that scenario it's not a fight i'm 
clamoring for. My, I've made my position very clear. I'd much rather see Bo Nickel, if he goes out there and gets a win, turn around and uh, fight Israel Adesanya. It's a much more compelling matchup. Um, I don't imagine Sean Strickland is going to be anything but a huge underdog to Israel Adesanya. It's not a compelling fight for me. But yeah, he, he's doing the Sean Strickland thing. He's doing just enough to hang around the top. And if somebody doesn't want to take an opportunity, he's the first call and he always answers it. So kudos to him for for being in that position and putting himself there, uh, but not something that I'm compelled by. Jed, we know with these main events sometimes it's, you know, we we try to work our way into it. And then it's just like, I want to see what happens and then just see, see what the fallout is. It's almost like I want to get from point A to point B. And I don't mean this is a disrespectful, disrespectful take towards both fighters because they signed the dotted line. They're going to get in there and punch each other in the face for potentially 25 minutes. This fight, I just kind of want to see the aftermath of it. Like, I don't even really need to see the, – because the matchmaking is just so weird – and I kind of have an idea of where this is going to go. Like if Magomedov doesn't knock him out in the first five minutes of this fight, I feel like we're going to get a Sean Strickland-y unanimous decision here. And then he's going to cut the promo and call it Izzy and so forth and so on. But if Abus wins, like I, I am curious, like how the UFC will proceed. Like, will they push him? Will they, what will they do with him? With Strickland, I feel like he is at least going to be in position for, a title shot depending on what happens july 8th so what do you what do you make of the stakes here and just kind of that point a to point b from the fight to the aftermath i feel like this is one of those ones where i, I kind of want to see the aftermath first and then watch the fight afterwards if that makes sense oh yeah i mean this fight any interest in this fight is not in the fight itself it's just in what the hell happens um if Abus wins, they're going to, I think they'll push him just because Sean Strickland's like a top 10 guy. So Abus will move into that. His two UFC fights will be that um, very quick knockout of Dustin Stolfus. And I assume if he wins, a cool knockout of Sean Strickland because uh, I, I like you think that that's, that's the most likely outcome. Either he wins there, either he wins early doing something cool or Strickland sort of Strickland's all over him. But there's also the chance that Abus just kind of slips on a banana peel because he's done that in, in his career as well. So uh, I think the interesting thing is what what happens and not how not not the form, but but you know just what is what is it right? Um, if Strickland wins, I guess he's in line for a title shot. Um, this is one of those those New York Rick title shots of well, we got nothing else to do for the champion and here's somebody new because Strickland lost two before losing to Imovov. And I mean, if I think the winner of Whitaker DDP just gets a title fight over Strickland, assuming they could make the turnaround. If they can't make the turnaround for Australia, then maybe Strickland slides in. But it feels weird to say that he's probably in line, but like, shit, man, I guess he is. Who else, who else is there? <laughs> there right now so i it's weird there are no stakes in this fight mike i don't know what the stakes are but i'm confident that whatever they are they're very small stakes we're talking four ounce fillets we are not talking a porterhouse here fair enough all right that's ufc vegas 76 there'll be more if if, if you haven't had, if you just are clamoring for more there will be more tomorrow there will be a preview show live here on this here channel uh talking about the ins and outs of this card that we did not mention so with that said, the point for round four goes to the champion, New York Rick. It is two to two. 
And that means it's time for the knocker around. One question will decide it all. Uh, neither individual knows what, que- what this question is. And as a matter of fact, they haven't known what any of the questions were before we started this here program. So sure did. it just fits right into the gimmick. So New York, Rick, you are the BTL champion. Do you want to go first or do you want to pass this over to Jen Mishu? I will always elect to go first. Okay. So shoot I want to make this... Baby. I want to make this very, very clear. This question has nothing to do with business and ratings and profit. This has nothing to do with any of that stuff. But we are, it is, we have today and then tomorrow's the last day of June. So we will be officially at the midway point of 2023 for everything, including the mid-year report for the world of mixed martial arts. Now, obviously we have the big promotions. We have the UFC, we have Bellatoria, PFL, a lot of people feel like we don't give one enough attention, but they are certainly in this mix. There's obviously the the fight circuses that get a lot of talk, KSW, et cetera. So with all these promotions, and we're talking about the product that they are putting out in New York, Rick, what they have done, have they gone from point A to point B in a, in a nice way? Obviously, the UFC is king, so we're trying to take the business and the profit out of, out of this conversation altogether. Who is the mid-year promotional MVP? for mixed martial arts right now which promotion is putting on the best prof the best product thus far in 2023 one minute on the clock go do you hate me mike do you hate me are you are you just trying to get me every single time i come on this show to just say how pathetic it is all these guys are fighting for number two and putting out graphics and proclaiming themselves to be number two and ultimately not moving the needle in any significant way like I don't know how many times I can say it. They're really not having much of an effect. Nothing is happening. The UFC is continuing to, you you said remove profits from it, but they also have the roster of the best fighters and continue to have the roster of the best fighters and just continue. The the, the UFC train never stops. I, I don't know how I could have an answer other than the UFC. I mean, the PFL signing Francis Ngannou is great, and that, and that's a really nice signing. They've also got a season going on where they've where they've introduced Shane Burgos, and now he's in the playoffs. Sure, momentum behind them, but I mean, it's just like nothing is nothing is changing, nothing is moving. The 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 if you're doing a graph, they've stayed like this for all of their entire existences, and the UFC has been on top, and it's just been straight lines across. Nothing is changing, nothing is moving. It's always the UFC. I mean, look, that's that's the safe and smart answer. Um, I didn't know if we we're going to go a little, a little crazier. I saw some debate on on social media. Some saying that you know UFC has the best fighters, they're making the most money, but you know this promotion is actually putting out the better actual product in terms of fans' viewership. Like, if you watched all four religiously, would you still say the same? That's kind of the question here. So, Jed, we will go to you. Uh, do you agree with New York Rick? Is it the UFC because? Quite frankly, someone asked me this earlier, which is what kind of got me here. What would I grade the UFC so far in 2023? I'm at a C plus right now. They're just doing things and people are watching and that's great. But in terms of the product they present, I would, I mean, I think it's going to pick up in the second half with the slates, but what they've done the first half, I'd say it's a C plus, maybe a B minus if we're being generous. But what about these other promotions, Jed? If we're talking about who has put out the best product for viewers who tune in to watch is it the ufc is it somebody else who's the mid-year mvp one minute on the clock go so this is a fun question really like it so thank you mike on that 
The UFC isn't the answer, and it's for a very specific reason. It's because their highs much higher. They have just bombarded us with so much content that so much of it's forgettable that proportionally those highs just they're not hitting as much i think there's a clean argument for bellator here because they've given you us some very big moments this year they've had some stinkers but fewer compared to the just onslaught of them the ufc is offering but we're getting fedor's retirement uh patchy mix sergio pettis against pitbull just the other weekend they've hit some really big high notes but the answer mike I think you knew this as soon as as you came to me, as soon as you said, Jed, I need to know who's the best promotion in mixed martial arts right now. It's the same answer it's been for three years. Mike, <laughs> it's Fight Circus because, again, one, we've got a Fight Circus event coming up tomorrow on Fight TV. Make sure you tune in Fight Circus 7. But Fight Circus 6, we had Bob Sapp and Quentin Rampage Jackson, Siamese Boxing, the promoter. Who else is doing that, Mike? Nobody. That's why they're the best. I was waiting for the horns, and and there you have it. Jed coming through thinking outside the box. Yes, uh, Fight Circus is back this weekend, so l- lest we forget. It's not just who, the UFC. Who knew? Okay, Literally nobody. I didn't know until yesterday. Now you do. That's why you tune in, because I will tell you when Fight Circus is back, guys. Don't you worry. Is, did I say that Tyson Fury is going to be there? Sure is. I don't think he's the not Gypsy fighting. King himself. No, he's, he's not gonna the be in the King building. himself. How about that? Tune in. Tune in. Vote now. Uh, you can what vote in the, in the comments section. Uh, who do you think wins? Is it Jed Mishu regaining the title or is New York Rick's reign of terror going to continue? Obviously, it'll be a big show next week with UFC 290 coming about. And I'm sure there's going to be so many storylines from UFC Vegas 76 that we're just going to have to dive into one by one. But we'll talk about that more tomorrow, the preview show. We'll have heck of a morning tomorrow. We'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show at a nice, tidy 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. We love that. Post-fight show, AK and I will be back on Sunday with some matchmaking. Another episode of On to the Next One, and then it is onwards and upwards to International Fight Week, UFC 290, the fight I am looking forward to the most of all the fights that are on the books right now. The main event, Volkanovski versus Jair Rodriguez. I love the Brandon Moreno-Alexander Pantoja fight, which is getting no love, no talk at all. And that fight's a great one too. So don't forget about that one, ladies and gentlemen. So with that said, we'll bring in the unbelievable E. Casey Lydon, whose taste in music is just impeccable because we were jamming, just jamming before we, we, went, we went live here. Just getting after it. Casey, what's up, buddy? Well, just like Wilson Phillips said, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I mean, keep this simple. This is not hard. Just vote for Jed and and let's let's get on with it. We have we have things to do. Not, is this not, a close not one? A complicated. The, the, the vote, much like last week, is equally clo- is equally as close. It is super close. So I'm like, how, we gotta how get this every happen? last vote in. It is very close. <laughs> Speed I'm, it up, I, folks. Come I, on. I, I got to give it a little more time. Come on. Everyone. Speed it up, folks. Press the Jed button and let's get this done. All right? Do what do what's right and, and let's go. You jerk. <laughs> He's trying okay. to see if magical will strike twice here. Were people in agreement How about Yair Rodriguez beating Alexander Volkanovsky? I mean, that's... I a- can't wait for next week's show. <laughs> I can't maybe. wait for next week's show. I do think this fight's going to be incredibly close and very competitive. Like, Yair happen. just... 
Yair's just such an interesting style where he might lose a fight, but it's like he never really loses the war. And the fallout of that fight is going to be super interesting. Volksol. It's going to be super interesting. Volksol. Well, he's 35 in September. Yeah, that's like by far the oldest featherweight champion in history. Yeah. It's by like four years. It's a lot. All right. I think we're good. All right. We're good. Who gets it done, Casey? Your winner today with... 51% of the <gasps> votes is <laughs> and still New York Rick oh the humble man does it again golly it just keeps working it just keeps working vote for AK just hurry up and vote for AK vote for Jed hit the Jed button nails it and no one sees it coming. The humble nature just <laughs> sneaks, just sneaks in there. Unbelievable. New York Rick, the people have spoken and they've sided with your humble nature. How do you react to this? You're Come muted. We can't hear you. There we go. Sorry, sorry. Um, I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, as, as I've said every time I've won, uh, you people have messed up gravely. You you botched the decision once again. Um, Jed was the rightful winner there. Um, I humbly accept, though, because, you know, what an honor it was to spend this time with you guys, Casey, Jed, Mike. Um, it's always a pleasure. The fans, you know, next week, I'll hopefully be back. You guys can do a little bit better and, and pick the other person. Um, and we'll have, we'll have a great time. Um, but, yeah, love you guys. So much fun to spend time with you. Thank you for having me. Jed, we might have to run this back. This could be a an AK robbery review. And I feel like we just have to have you back next week to, to give your Yaya Rodriguez and your UFC 290 takes. But your thoughts on just losing this split decision here. Look, I've, I've said many times I don't believe in immediate rematches. So in case I don't get the call uh, next week, Yair's going to kick him a bunch. Volk doesn't like to be kicked. And he's old. He's so old. He's just too old to do it. Yair's gonna gonna do the damn thing. Been saying it for a while. I'm standing on this corner, and I'll be here until such time as I'm proven wrong. Fair enough. Well, see what happens next week. See, this is episodic television, people. All right, Casey, you can hit the music. Thank you very much for your production skills, and we will be back next week to talk more UFC 290, the thought of UFC Vegas 76, and whatever the frig else is going on in the world of mixed martial arts. It'll be something. It'll be something. We'll see what two billionaires challenge each other to a fist fight this week. And we'll talk about it next week right here on Between the Links. So for Casey on the ones and twos, for Jed, New York Rick, I am Mike Hack, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. Back next week. Good night, everybody. Zuck by armbar. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.